G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Well, on Wednesday, our Ask Alex segment, our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316 each week. We'll address your questions around Christians and money. And Alex Cook, founder of Wealth With Purpose, joining us once again. Hello, Alex. Welcome back to 2020. Great to be back again. Alex, uh, we'll take some calls as they come through this morning on money questions, uh, but let's just kick off perhaps with uh, something to whet the appetite of listeners and perhaps questions or comments around this particular topic. One of the leading causes of uh, divorce is conflict, and for a lot of couples, uh, one of the leading causes of that conflict is money. The truth is many of us struggle to work together when it comes to money, and uh, these misalignments are often a recipe for conflict. What are your thoughts about marriage and money? Yeah, look, it's it's an amazing area. So we know that, what, something like 40 to 50% of the population gets divorced, and my understanding is that the number one cause above some of the other obvious ones, like adultery and so forth, is financial conflict. It's it's a massive issue, Uh, and it's no surprise when you look at our society and all the confused messages around money, but also the level of debt that put that you know a lot of financial, you know, a lot of people feel under enormous financial pressure as, as a couple. So it's a, it's a big issue. Um, but also, I think from a Christian perspective, we need to say, well, what is a biblical model of financial management as a couple? I mean, the Bible talks about the idea that when you get married, two become one flesh. And so if we took that biblical concept and said, okay, well, how does that apply to our money? I think it leads to some um, you know, key principles that we could follow. One is the idea that we're meant to be interdependent on each other. If you look at our society, it's all about men and women being independent as opposed to being interdependent. We're meant to share our resources together. We, we should have a shared goals and vision towards our money and shared responsibility. And our society, as I say, is almost geared the opposite way. It's all about you being independent and having your own money and so forth. Uh, and in fact, one of the conversations I often have with um, with people as a financial planner is there's often this mentality of a his and hers kind of attitude towards finances, which is very, um, I don't think is, is scriptural, but not only that is it leads to you know potential conflict. Um, and the reality is that the resources that we have, if you know, if you take the, the biblical model, is that all the resources we have are, in fact, God's anyway. God is the actual ultimate owner. And so as a married couple, we should come together and say, how do we together manage the resources that God has put in our hands together? And we do that with shared responsibility, shared resources, and in coming up with shared goals as to where we should, what we should do in our money. In fact, as, our, as you know, our ministry is called Wealth with Purpose because it's geared around this idea that as, as a couple or even as an individual, if you're not married, uh, that we should have a purpose to our wealth and, and how we use it. And as a married couple, we should be agreeing on goals and a vision for the money that God has given us. Okay, powerful thought. Starting point. 
powerful thought, the two shall become one flesh. And what does that mean? Actually, that means, doesn't it, Alex? And uh, we actually have a tremendous advantage as Christians who acknowledge that very fact of the two becoming one flesh because now we have an opportunity to be on the same page talking about money. We are going to perhaps uh, enlarge on some of these things, but of course we do want to make room for listener calls today. You might have a question about finance, 1-800-316-316. Let's take a call from Anchor in Perth in WA. Hello, Anchor. Welcome. Hello. Thank you for having me. Hi, what are your thoughts? Do you have a question for Alex? Yes, I have a question. As a young uh, a young adult, I would like to know how uh, could you give tips on how to manage your resources when um, you're in like, as a young adult immersed in this culture of YOLO and uh, treat yourself, but then um, not living on that extreme of um, poverty kind of thing. So, yeah. Alex, your thoughts for Anchor? Yeah, look, it's a great great question. So as a Christian, I say there's always a tension you kind of live with, and that's a tension between using the money that God's given you for yourself and enjoying it, you know, the treat yourself conscience that she mentioned, versus the opposite, which is that kind of poverty mentality, which is, you know, woe is me, I never have enough, you know, resources are limited. I say to people that we, as believers, we should sit somewhere in the middle, and that is what I call the stewardship principle. You know, God gives us resources to bless us and to enjoy. You know, God wants you to enjoy. You know, you think about God as a loving father. He loves his children, and he wants to to bless his children so they get to enjoy what they've been given. So that's the first concept. But then the, the second part to that is we need, as believers, to have an eternal focus to our money, and that is we should be saying to ourselves, how do I use what God has given me, not only to meet my needs and, uh, you know, as a young adult and to enjoy what God's given me, but how do I also have an eternal focus to help people that are struggling and to fund God's kingdom? So it's, tr- it's a tension, I believe, Christians will always live with throughout their life, and that is the, that tension between how do I use my money for myself and my personal enjoyment versus the tension of actually funding kingdom activities, helping those in need, etc. It's a tension you always live with, and it's trying to you know, get the Holy Spirit to guide you and to make wise decisions in this area. That's, that's how I'd help Anchor. Anchor, do you mind if I ask how old you are? Uh, yeah, oh, that's fine. I'm 24. 24. So wonderful to hear from you at 24. And, and uh, of course, you know, it sparks a question in your mind, doesn't it? When you say... You know, young people, YOLO, you only live once. So what you do with your money now, you know, uh, you know, spend it all today on what makes you feel good and not worry about the future. Uh, those sorts of things anchor. I wonder whether, you know, because obviously you're a young Christian and uh, you've got some thoughts about, about money and how you use it wisely. What are your thoughts for, you know, for uh, for the idea that, uh, that you've obviously been in this tension? Uh, you know, just do I, I spend it all on things for me or do I... I have some other purpose for it. Uh, yeah, I I feel like I just really feel like there's another purpose for it. But then you're so immersed in this. Oh, just spend it now. Like um, you might not even be alive tomorrow. Or um, you know, people say that to you. But then there's that question. No, there's there's more that this money could be used for for someone else. Some. Um, there's a greater purpose in it and just wanting, uh, yeah, curiosity and how to live in that tension. 
a wonderful way to be able to talk about money. I'll get your thoughts here, Alex. The idea that there's a greater purpose for our money than just the fact that we've earned it and we get to spend it on our own terms. What are your thoughts for this greater purpose to money? Yeah, well, look, absolutely. So, look, there's an interesting thing here, I think, is that in our society, there's this view that you get pleasure and joy from things of this world, you know, material things and so forth. But the, the older I get, the, the more it becomes very obvious that there's a great joy in giving money away and funding things that are going to last forever, seeing people being helped. And so I think as Christians, the challenge we have is we get sucked back into the world and sucked back into the lie that these material things are going to make you happy and they're going to give you great joy, which they, they usually disappoint. It's like career. You know, a lot of people you know, aim to get to the top of their chosen profession. And then when they get there, they're very disappointed because then they go, oh, is that all there is? And so it's the same thing, I think, with money and material things in the sense that you can get trapped into this mentality that all these things here and now are going to give you great pleasure and joy. And they may to some degree, but the reality is you'll find a far greater joy in in giving things and in funding things that make a huge difference, things that are going to last forever. You know, I I love the fact that, for example, when I give to a charity, um, some of, like, say, a mission agency, for example, they will reach people for Christ people who I may never, ever meet in this lifetime. But when I get to heaven, I'm sure that I'll meet those people who, as a result of my giving, you know, had the gospel shared with them. And that's, that excites me because I know that's something that's going to last forever. Whereas having a new shiny car or a short-term holiday, all those kind of things, as nice as they are, they don't last and they don't have any eternal value. And so as Christians, we've just got to remember to focus our attention on things that are going to last forever. And that's a challenge. I'm not saying it's easy in our society, but that's the challenge we face. Anchor, I hope you don't mind me asking you these questions, but uh, you know the idea of testing the waters uh, with your money, using your money for those things that are you know sort of selfish things that you might want to spend money on, or testing the waters, giving uh, to as uh, Alex says to a charity or to to God. You know when you're asked to give at church, you know you experiment those things. Have you sort of had any thoughts about how you feel when you use your money in different ways? Uh, yeah, when I um, have experimented in buying things for myself, that enjoyment just lasts for very momentarily, um, and you just don't find any sort of uh, fulfillment in that, and it just seems like there's no purpose in it. Whereas when you uh, invest into someone else's life, you don't necessarily always see the fruit of it, but there's that um, idea that you've done something for someone and it's made an impact on them, and what their impact is on them, they could have taken it further and impacted someone else. Fabulous stuff, Anchor, and testing the waters and seeing what that does feel like. Uh, the idea, Alex, of uh, there being a different way that you'll respond when you actually use money in the way that God intends. Uh, I mean, you know, is that all feelings oriented? Uh, there's got to be some sort of uh, principle and object in that as well, obedience to God. But there is a certain sense that our emotions and feelings are attached to our money too, aren't they? Oh, absolutely. I don't think you can separate the two ultimately. But as you say, I think you do need to be practical about it. We should be very prayerful in how we go about doing this. We should be very intentional. You know, I say with money that the key with good money management is all around how you behave with money. And that requires intentionality. It requires planning and thinking through it rather than responding purely out of emotion. 
but you know, Jesus said it's better to give than to receive. So I actually think he knew there's a great joy in giving. So the, the part of the reward, if you like, for giving, and I believe you will be rewarded, by the way, for generosity. The Bible makes it very clear that in heaven you'll be rewarded for what you've done in this life. Um, so there's a great joy in it and a great sense of, of the future, both of what the money can do today and, and to help people, but also of the rewards that you'll receive in heaven too. So people shouldn't discount that because I know people often forget that. But God does want to incentivize us eternally, if you like. Thank you so much, Anchor, in Perth. What a great contribution today. And uh, coming from a 24-year-old and uh, someone who obviously, uh, with the courage to pick up the phone and call in, Alex, uh, interested in, as a young person, what they do with their money now, knowing that something will count if they get things right before God. Let's come back to what we started talking about uh, in marriage and money. Now, the talkback line's still open, 1-800-316-316, taking questions from listeners on any issue to do with money. But let's come back to those people who are in a marriage situation uh, with a two become one flesh. I mentioned it's like an advantage because two become one flesh, both on the same page thinking about money. Uh, Let's come back to these sorts of ideas Alex, and uh, the most common things perhaps that uh, that couples will struggle with when when it comes to their money? Yeah, look, it's a really interesting question. So, you know, when we get married, we both often, you know, we come into a marriage with two different um, upbringings, you know. We've come in, some of us have come from families where money was abundant. Some of us come from uh, families where money was scarce. And we often, therefore, bringing those childhood experiences into our marriage, and they could have a very profound effect. For example, if I was um, born into a family where money was very scarce, it's more than likely I'll have a security, um, you know, kind of security concern. You know, I want to make sure, you know, I've got friends of mine that do did grow up in, in tough conditions, and as a result, they're very, very savings orientated. They they save every penny. They don't spend anything because they're fearful of what might happen if they lost their job and so forth. So that that, that kind of desire for security, if you like, becomes very profound. And then there are others, and I, mine was a bit like this. I, I had a childhood that was fairly abundant. And so the, the challenge for me is to control my spending because there's a natural tendency to want to go and spend and just enjoy it and so forth. Uh, and so when you put two people like that together, that can be a cause of tension because you've got one who is very savings and, um, you know, prudent if you like with their money and then someone who's a bit more relaxed and laissez-faire with their money and so that can be a cause of tension so that's the kind of things that people struggle with um but there's other factors too so for example when you get married you may come in with different expectations so for example a common one is schooling you know some people want their kids to go to private school some want their kids to go to public school so all of a sudden you've got different expectations and different financial consequences as a result of that um, the other thing is, you know, husband and wife, so you've got gender differences, and that's something in our society is very hypersensitive about gender these days. But the reality is that um, if I was to use some generalisations, men tend to be bigger risk takers, so particularly investing, uh, and women tend to be a bit more conservative with investing. Now, that's a generalisation, but that can affect the decision-making. And this is where I think the whole one flesh concept becomes so critical, is that God puts us together to um, bring balance to financial decisions. You know, he wants us to, you know, you need the one person to be that little bit risky to, say, you know, to push us to make good decisions in push forward in society and then others to say, hang on a minute, let's, let's adopt a bit of balance here. How do we manage that risk? And so God puts us together as husband and wife to bring balance to the decision-making process. Um, so that's the, the powerful thing of, of Christian marriage. 
the fact that God puts you together to, to bless each other, to love and serve one another. You know, it's the opposite to our society. Our society says, what do you get out of being married? Whereas Christian marriage is all about what do you put into it, right? How do you serve one another? And so the question is, how do you serve one another with, with money? So as I say, couples struggle with different things, you know, their upbringings, their expectations, their gender differences, all these kind of things. But God brings us together to bring balance uh, and to bring wisdom and to help each other through uh, and to create, you know, robust family units. Uh, robust family units and a deeper issue than we're attacking today, Alex, but uh, this is one of the foundations of what has made Western civilization so strong. The fact that marriage has been able to contain uh, the two as one flesh and with the interest in raising their family and gaining and uh, building wealth and then contributing that into the wider society. Uh, we'll, we're, there's another questions come through on our Facebook page. Of course, you can respond to our Ask Alex on our Facebook page too. Susan says, what advice would you give to a single mother like me who's only a few years away from retirement and needs to ensure I have enough to retire on? What can I do? What are your thoughts for Susan? Alex? Yeah, look, it's a great question and an increasingly common one. In fact, I had a phone call from someone in a very similar situation yesterday. Um, So... The, the key to saving for retirement and preparing is about saying to yourself, how much do I currently have available to me? So let's say Susan's income, she earns X, and then say from that, how much can I afford to save each year towards retirement? So financial success, and particularly preparing for retirement, is ultimately about being wise with what we're currently earning and being able to set some aside. So the challenge, I think, for, for Christians, whether they're single or married, the same challenge applies, and that is to live beneath our means. So for, for Susan to get ahead, to prepare for retirement, she's got to say, right, I earn X, I, need, I can save Y, and therefore I'm going to save that towards my retirement and live beneath my means in order to be able to achieve that. So as I say, whether you're single or married doesn't matter so much as far as preparing um, because this, the concepts are still the same. It's just been about... You know, to save wisely, and of course, there's other more complex issues. You know, in terms of how do you how do you invest? So, putting money in assets that are likely to grow, so you have a growing income stream into retirement, um, and of course, doing it tax effectively. So, looking at things like superannuation and so forth, which is very tax effective, and using these kinds of things in order to prepare for retirement. So. It's a, it's a complex question in one sense because there's a lot of little things you can do. But the key thing for, for anyone in this situation, whether they're married or single, is to be able to work out how much can you afford to save month in, month out to contribute to that long-term planning of retirement. Wonderful stuff. Uh, thank you, Susan, for posting your question today on our Facebook question. That's Ask Alex, and I'll encourage listeners, if you have a question, no holds barred on any finance topic, uh, we'll be happy to tackle that at this time on a Wednesday. Our Ask Alex segment, uh, same time each Wednesday, unpacking all sorts of answers to whatever and complex finance questions you might have. Now you can find that Ask Alex post on our Vision Facebook page. Now to be in connection with Alex you can find his website wealthwithpurpose.com free ebooks, my toolkit free videos, podcast content and as you know uh, that even addressing Susan's question today it takes a big response to get a little bit deeper so you might want some deeper 
insight. Uh, no doubt there's some good connection there with resources on wealthwithpurpose.com. You can also follow Alex on Facebook and on Twitter, Wealth Purpose or Purpose Wealth. Alex, great hearing from you once again. Thanks so much for taking some time to share these thoughts with listeners on 2020. Thanks, Neil. Always great to be with you. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.